On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we're joined by Scott Chasen as we're going to go over some Big 12 basketball stuff, some KU basketball stuff, crossover questions, and we get on to Scott's worst coaching decisions of the week. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Eric Johnson, you can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk from 3 to 6, Monday through Friday in Lawrence on KLWN. You can also hear Scott on Booth Review with Kansas City Sports Network. And uh, thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season, whether it's college football, college basketball, with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online where the game starts. So, Scott, hope everything's going today. Today's episode, we're going to go over some of the Big 12 basketball odds and, and take a look at the conference on that end of things. we got a bye week for KU football. I've got some more crossover questions between football and basketball, and then obviously your worst coaching decisions of the week. Let's start in the Big 12. Bet Online released their uh, Big 12 preseason odds to win the conference. Baylor's sitting at 2-1. to one, Kansas is at plus 210. Texas at plus 350, Texas Tech at 8 to 1, TCU at 9 to 1, and then another severe drop off Oklahoma, Oklahoma State at 33 to 1, Iowa State at 50 to 1, same with West Virginia, and Kansas State is sitting at 100 to 1. What sticks out to you in the Big 12 preseason title odds? Well, I, I, Derek, I think it's very apparent there are a few teams that are at the top of the conference and those teams I would expect to be in contention. But I'll, I'll just say this about Kansas. Um, I think Kansas will have a chance to win the Big 12. I actually think Kansas could be a very good team at the end of the season. But if you go back and listen to what Bill Self was talking about, you know, just the Big 12 media, uh, or excuse me, at Kansas Basketball Media Day, if you track down the audio from that, Bill Self setting expectations low. And this team candidly reminds me of the team before the national championship team. Now, that was a good team that was playing really, really well at the end of the year. And people just remember the loss to USC but they don't remember maybe is that half the team got COVID David McCormick hurt his foot. Um, that team was as good as any team in the country at the end of the year. And if you're a Kansas fan and you're hopeful for this year's team, that's what you're banking on. Because I'll tell you what, where Kansas starts the year preseason. And, and I want to make sure this doesn't get lost in context where Kansas starts the year in preseason is not good enough to be second in the big 12 is not a final four contender is not a national championship contender. You're banking on that team improving because it is very talented. You're banking on Bill Self getting them to gel. And you're banking on that happening maybe before the start of Big 12 play. Kansas needs these first few months of development. And that's not abnormal. It happens to get to where at the end of the year they are in contention for a Big 12 title and they are for a Final Four. So I would stay away from those Kansas odds. In fact, you may be able to get better Kansas odds if Kansas slips up and loses a couple of games early. Um, I like Baylor. I really like Texas. I think TCU under Texas Tech is a mistake, although TCU is still just kind of in need of that outside shooting, right? They need they need it to to complement what they have. So, um, but I, I think it's right, and I think the fact that there's this top five that all have kind of similar in the realm of possibility odds, and then you get to Oklahoma and it just falls off a freaking cliff. I think that is very much where the Big Twelve is this year. I think you got five really really good teams. And then I think you got five teams that are going to try and figure it out. And I, I that's kind of where the split is in this conference. 
Yeah, I think it's those top five, and then the bottom five, I think, are all just competing for basically one to two NCAA tournament spots, like as kind of a lower seed. And who knows, maybe Oklahoma State, I mean, they had the number two defense in the conference just behind Texas Tech last year. Uh, Their offense was kind of horrible, but also they didn't really have much motivation last year to play Mm -hmm. when you don't have the NCAA tournament. Like if Bryce Thompson, former Kansas transfer, steps up and the defense is still good with Musa Cisse down low, maybe they can be kind of a surprise team to what TCU was a season ago. But as far as, you know, Big 12 title contenders, it's probably just those top five. I I think what you said about Kansas is really interesting because I – almost want to if Kansas is ever like I don't know plus money to win the big 12 you almost just take it they've won the league I think 20 out of 26 times since Mm -hmm. they've been in the big 12 but I think what you said is accurate you should probably if you want to take Kansas wait through the non-con because what happens if they lose to Duke or they lose to Indiana or they lose some of these games that maybe you're not supposed to you trip one up on the road in a game you're not supposed to in the non-con and maybe their odds go down to three to one or or plus 350 something like that because there is going to be all that youth that they kind of have to overcome so I think that's a good way of putting it I I do think that in the end I wouldn't be surprised if like Baylor and Kansas shared the title just like they Mm -hmm. did last season Um, I think Baylor is probably going to be the better team that, that maybe has the deeper run in March but I wouldn't be shocked if Bill Self just finds a way to to win the title because that's that's just kind of what he does each and every year if you had to pick someone between Texas Texas Tech and TCU outside of Baylor and Kansas who would you go with I think I'd go with Texas and that's betting on Chris Beard it's betting on some returning talent and I'm also I think it's a little different I, th- I think Texas football's reputation sometimes gets passed to basketball or like Shaka Smart's reputation sometimes gets passed to Chris Beard. Um, I, I want to see what Chris Beard do, can do when he has his pieces, his program, his players, and he's building things his way. Um, also, sorry if you can hear that. There's like some lawn work going on outside. So I apologize if you can. But yeah, I, I want I want to see Texas. I, I think Texas would, outside of Baylor and Kansas, Texas would be my bet. And again, I, Derek, I know you get this, but just to make sure I'm explaining it again, like I, I do think at the end of the year, Kansas, if everything goes right, we'll have the chance to play for a Final Four. We'll have the chance to play for a Big 12 championship. We'll be that quality of team. But I'm just saying where you start the season, when you look at the pieces that are on rosters now, especially the unproven pieces on Kansas, especially Bill Self saying, hey, when Dewan's not in, Bobby Pettiford needs to run the show. Oh, by the way, he's had one healthy week basically this entire offseason. Um, there are legitimate concerns. Bill Self was talking about Jankovic playing rotation minutes for this team. He was talking about him being the ninth man, and he said if you want to build a roster that can score, he has to be on the floor. That That's an early season, again, early season alarm bell, like that that shouldn't be tossed aside. This team is going to actually have you know, a, a significant transition and, and need to make a lot of growth throughout the year. Bill Self was talking about they don't have a center who can score inside. You know, these are a lot of Bill Self staples that Kansas will have to develop. And so I would expect this team, as much as any Bill Self team maybe ever, to improve a lot as the year goes on. I just, I'd stay away from it right now. I would wait because I do think they may trip up early and then you can probably get better odds than at the end of the year they'll be playing their best basketball because that's what Bill Self teams do and give them a better chance down the stretch. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who would you say, just forget the, the title odd portion of this, who do you think is going to most overperform where they're maybe projected right now? Who do you think is going to most underperform? But And for what it's worth, I, I agree with you on Texas. I think talent-wise, they have all sorts of talent. It's just can Chris Beard figure it out? Yeah, I think I think Oklahoma State 
I think you're probably right there would be my bet. I've, I've been impressed by Mike Boynton a number of different seasons, a number of different ways, the buy-in he gets, the way he gets guys to to click. And when it is working well, it seems like that team goes on runs that um, where they, they play above their head. And they have interesting pieces and guys – I mean, like, let's see if Bryce Thompson is ready to take another step and and do something. I'm I'm intrigued by them. Uh, Texas Tech, maybe I don't see it as much, but you know they'll be elite defensively, so I I wouldn't pick them ever to underperform. Um, also because their fan base scares me a little bit. Uh, they get pretty vicious down there, but um, so so maybe they're pegged pretty accurately. I would expect them to be top half just with Mark Adams and that defense they play. Um, I, I don't know if I see anyone that's necessarily too high in all of this. I, I think Iowa State, Kansas State, West Virginia, I, I would expect one of those teams to jump up a little bit. So that will knock someone down a little bit in the conference. But I'll, I'll tell you this, Derek, and, and this is not a knock on Kansas. Kansas just won a freaking national championship. Okay. That's a great program. If, if Kansas finished first in the big 12 this year, it would not surprise me. If Kansas finished fourth or fifth in the big 12 this year, wouldn't surprise me. Anything in between there, one to five, I think is legitimately in the range of possibilities. Now I'm going to bet on Bill Self and I'm going to bet on it being higher. So I'm not going to say Kansas will be the biggest underperformer. I'm just saying that range is in play to me because I think the top half of the conference is very defined and very, very good. So one of those teams between Baylor, Kansas, Texas, Texas Tech, and TCU has got to finish in fifth. And I know Texas Tech and TCU are picked to finish four or five, but any one of those five teams I could see maybe other than Baylor, I could see that range being completely jumbled and just a mess. And so someone from that group is going to finish fifth, and that would be the one that disappoints. And honestly, I I think what realistically happens is there's two teams that maybe tie for first at like 14 and four, and then there's maybe two or three teams that are tied at like 12 and six. Like it's just kind of a jumble. I think we saw that a couple of years ago. Um, Yeah. I, I I like the Oklahoma state one. They could be interesting. I think Texas tech, you can make an argument for, they could most overperform. Like if the defense is that good and they have all these transfers, maybe they work ahead of TCU and Texas or something, or they could most underperform. Like what if, you know, Iowa state overperforms again and they have the Omarui kid from uh, St. Bonaventure is such a good shot blocker. So certainly the conference is uh, going to be very interesting all the way through here. In just a moment, we are going to switch over to a little KU football, KU basketball crossover talk here and uh, ask Scott some questions. We've also got some uh, worst coaching decisions of the week to come here. But first, this episode is brought to you by Sweat Block. And you know, it's getting to that time of year. We're getting to the winter. We're getting to basketball season. You might be going into... Uh, Allen Fieldhouse. Don't be the guy who is overdressed for Allen Fieldhouse and then you're sweating and then you have pit stains and you know you're raising your hands because they just had a big play and the person next to you is like, oh no, that smells, that stinks. Like, no, get rid of the pit stains, get rid of the odor, and you can do that with sweat block. It gives you the confidence to wear what you want without embarrassing underarm sweat. The sweat block wipes were featured and tested on the Rachel Ray show by firefighters. If you or someone is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor, Try Sweatblock, save 20% with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com, also available on Amazon. So I've got some crossover questions for you here, Scott. And uh, again, between KU football and KU men's basketball, which would be more concerning? Now, for this one for football, we literally just saw this happen. KU being down 25 at half in Waco, or would it be Kansas losing by 25 both games to Waco or uh, to Baylor? Well, I, I think the second one would be more concerning, um, especially because how the first one happened, I think, made a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, a lot of talk about the defense, which has been very up and down this year. 
But outside of the Oklahoma game, the defense has done what the defense is. You know, it's forced teams to drive the length of the field. It's largely limited explosives. And I, I put out this stat late in the game against Baylor that, like, Kansas got stops on five of the first seven Baylor drives that began in Baylor territory. So that tells me the defense was having a 71% success rate of getting stops. That's exceptional. That's all you could ever ask from them. Kansas's defense gave up um, – excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to cough. Uh, Kansas's defense gave up 21 points to Baylor on drives that started in Baylor territory. That's success. That's that's fine. Why Baylor scored those points is because Kansas twice fumbled on the first play of a drive. Kansas went three and out three times in the first half. And when Kansas's defense got its first takeaway, Kansas went three and out and punted the ball right back. So to me, that was less alarm bells, and that was more clean up some little things. Don't fumble on the first play of a drive. Get your offense going a little bit earlier. Um, if Kansas basketball is getting blown out by Baylor a couple times in Big 12 play, um, I think that would be alarming because it won't be like the Kentucky game last year, you know, where Kansas lost by a bunch. But what did Bill Self say at media day? He said people don't understand the intangibles that were with that team last year. Last year's KU team, take nothing away from them, was not a top five Bill Self team. Not in the vicinity, Derek, of being a top five Bill Self team. But they thought they were. They thought they were really good. They had Remy Martin, who could make any shot any time. They had Ochai Abaji, who was going to be an NBA lottery pick. They had Christian Brown, who would, I had to make sure I say this right, mother F every single person in an arena and not care about getting technical fouls after he dunks in your face. They had David McCormick, who was so up and down and tumultuous and the fan base, whatever, that at the end of the year, he didn't even care. He missed the hook shot. He got his rebound. He went at Brady Manic and Armando Baycott and put that thing back. That ball was going to David McCormick. And then he did it again. Okay. Like they had dudes who didn't care. They got the right matchups and that's what matters. You don't get to complain about having a hard path and then say, well, they got an easy path. No, that's the tournament. Sometimes you get an easier pass. Sometimes you get a hard pass. They got among the easier paths for a champion that you could possibly have but they won all their games. They were a one seed. That's why they earned that path. So I think the difference between that team and this team, and Bill Self was calling that out by pointing out the intangibles. You got more young guys. You got more guys who haven't been in those situations. So I don't know how they would necessarily respond to some of those bigger losses. I, I think those would be bigger setbacks, uh, excuse me, especially later in the year. Um, so I, I would just say less concerning football because they got back in the game. It was it was little dumb stuff that the offense was doing. That was pretty much it. Once they cleaned that up, they played complimentary football and they looked great. Basketball would be bigger alarm bells. Yes, that would. If you lost twice by 25 to them, that would uh, not work out. But the one thing basketball has that football doesn't is a giant tournament where weird things can happen <laughs> and not make sense of the regular season at times. Yeah. Uh, which is more likely? KU football center, Mike Nowitzki, being all Big 12 first or second team or that, any whatever KU you're going to say. I don't I don't need to hear the rest of this, Derek. I'm gonna jump on this. Okay. KU basketball uh, the, center position is a mess right now. I was gonna say KU out. basketball center getting even all Big 12 honorable mention. I stand by my answer. Um, they've got to figure that out. Bill Self said today, or, or said the other day, that there is no separation. That's not good. Bill Self wants it. One A, one B, one C, and one D. And maybe there is a little bit of separation, but he's saying that to make a point to those guys. Jalen Wilson is going to play some five for this team. KJ Adams is going to play some five for this team. Um, Bill Self pointed out, hey, Zach Clements is a perimeter guy. He's got to score inside. And oh, by the way, can he defend Oscar Shibway? Can he defend? Uh, I, I can't remember the examples he gave, but he gave a couple examples of centers. 
Can yeah, he, he said uh, Trace Jackson Davis, which to be fair, yeah. though, who is? But I, you get the very same. fair. But but that's his point. Can you score inside? Can you defend those guys? Or are you just a situational piece? And whether or not he believes that and whether or not Zach Clements is actually farther along or further along than Bill Self is admitting at this point, And maybe it's not quite also even he's trying to motivate them. Those are Bill Self alarm bells. Those are Bill Self trying to make a point to guys that they need to play better. Um, I'm not sold on the five spot short term. Now, long term, I am because I think you have talent there. I think you have really exciting freshmen. I think Zach Clements gives you options. KJ Adams, Jalen Wilson at the five. They will figure it out throughout the course of the season. But I, I'm going to bet that start to finish, they're not going to have an all big 12 kind of guy. Maybe honorable mention there, but um, that's a that's a weakness that needs to be addressed. David McCormick wasn't perfect, but he was David McCormick, and he was good enough to win you a number of games throughout, you know, really the last two seasons of his career. It's His limitations were not his fault beyond they didn't have anyone better, so they had to put him in those situations. This year, I expect a lot of tinkering. Um, now, I will say, if Zach Clements turns out to be that dude, and he is that dude, that immeasurably will raise Kansas's ceiling. So I, I would circle that position right now to say, major concern but let's see what happens. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't bet on all Big 12 there. I like this one a lot. More players drafted for their respected 2023 drafts. KU football plus one and a half or KU basketball. So with football, I don't know. Jalen could come back. Maybe he gets draft eligible. I think Mason Fairchild. I really do think he could be like a day three pick. Uh, Earl Bostic, Mike Nowitzki, Dominic Pooney, like any of them could be like a late round pick. Lonnie Phelps, if he decides to go, maybe pick Kenny Logan. Getting plus one and a half. What do you think? Uh, okay. So plus one, whatever. Hold on. Plus one and a half. KU football is plus one and a half. That's yes. what I, the math is. Okay. Well, then I think KU football because I th- I think they're going to have one player drafted at least, right? You would assume one guy will go in the in the draft, although maybe not. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, and, and just then, Kansas basketball would have to have three players drafted when like Jalen Wilson probably – Kevin McCuller, maybe. Grady, I think McCuller has a better chance uh, than Wilson, to be honest, just because he's a wing. I, I guess Jalen's a wing, too, but you know what I mean? Like, Kevin McCuller's more of the traditional 3 and D wing. Yeah, I kind of just talked myself into the basketball side of things, too, because most of these KU guys can come back. I actually did this on Booth Review. If you look at the number of KU players who are draft eligible, you're basically losing your defensive line. You're losing, like, four guys from there, and then you lose Earl Bostic, and that's it. Every other player on this roster is eligible to return. Um, I mean, even Phelps can come back. Like, he could go pro. He could come back, too. Yeah, and and I would expect most of these guys to come back. I'll still lean KU football because all it takes is one or two, and then you're asking for a crazy number from the basketball team. But if And that's only if we're talking for one draft. If we're talking for future drafts, I think this KU basketball team is going to end up having a lot of draft picks because I think these big men could all turn into draft picks at some point. Obviously, what you have on the wing, backcourt, every position, you have basically loaded up with guys who could turn into picks. Candidly, it wouldn't shock me if Dewan Harris down the line turned into a draft pick just because he's long, he's got that length, defensively good passing instincts. If he can get that shot to be a little bit more reliable, it doesn't have to be prolific. Um, and then MJ Rice, Grady Dick, you you have a roster full of talent. Um, but for the specifically the 2023 draft, I'll bet on football. But long-term, I even though the basketball roster is like a 10th of the size, I I think a lot of those guys are going to get drafted. Okay. Last one more beloved player by their respected coach, Dewan Harris by bill self or Jason Bean by Lance Leipold. 
uh, Dewan Harris. Um, and that's not anything against Jason Bean, but Bill Self loves Dewan Harris, just like he mm-hmm. loved Marcus Garrett, like he learned to love Landon Lucas. Um, it's those type of guys who just kind of start to understand him, get along with him, stick around with him, and, and then run the team. Um, you know, in, in the way they they allow Bill Self to do the things that he wants to do. You know, not to just keep going back to his most recent press conference, but, you know, he made a point about last year's team and they could put in five new sets and start running them. And he said this year it's going to be it's going to be meat and potatoes for a long time. You know, he's not saying that just to say that he's not saying it to put down his team, but he's saying this is a new team. This is new pieces. These are new guys. They're going to have to come along slowly. He even said it may look like they're not coaching them as much because they're going to have to learn so much more. So, again, um, I'm. The, the floor for Kansas is always super high because Bill Self's an amazing coach. The talent is on the roster and you bring back Jalen Wilson, Dewan Harris, and you have Kevin McCuller. That's a great stopgap. Great, great addiction. Pretty good. Zach Clements. You, you would think there are pieces. Okay. Um, but it, it's going to take a little bit of time. So I think Bill Self likes having that security blanket with Dewan Harris. Derek, I have a crossover question for you. If that's allowed, mm, let's do it. What is your favorite crossover you've ever seen? Because I have a very specific one and a funny story that goes with it. Man, there's all sorts of crossovers. It could be a like TV mm-hmm. episode crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a like basketball crossover, like Allen Iverson just crossing someone over. Um, hmm. It could be a crossover of condiments. Like, you know how they have the the peanut butter and it jelly could... like in one in one like squeeze bottle? You've never seen those? That's... No, that it actually couldn't be that, but I'm glad you, uh, I'll give you mine while you think, um, summer league, Dante Exum, Australian point guard, six, five, his rookie year. I think he was Australian. I sure hope so. Otherwise maybe just played there. Um, he had a really sick right to left crossover, embarrassed the guy got to the bucket. And I was like, that dude is going to be an NBA (laughs) all-star 10 times over any turn. If you've never watched the NBA, he turned out to be the best player in the NBA for years and years and years. Do you have a favorite crossover, Derek? Hey, Dante Exum was a 2K legend because he was just a super athletic uh, point guard that worked really well. Uh, honestly, can, can we go back to like a Michael Jordan crossover, the one against the Jazz where he uh, probably pushed off for an offensive foul? Mm-hmm. But if you're going to get away from it or, or get away with it, which you always are because you're Michael Jordan, then uh, it, you know, 100% success rate. Yeah, vote in the comments here who had a better crossover, Dante Exum at Summer League or Michael Jordan in like game six of a pivotal NBA finals. Um, both very significant. And again, if you if you never watched the NBA, if you did watch the NBA, I'm not talking to you. If you've never watched the NBA, Dante Exum, multiple-time MVP, mm-hmm. five-time defensive player of the year. I mean, he just turned into – he led the Jazz to several championships. Um, just incredible. That's what everybody says. Exum versus MJ. So I'm glad we got the two greatest players of all time. Okay. <laughs> Worst coaching decisions of the week. Who are the we got a graphic? We got a graphic, Derek. I love it. All right, so I have I have three candidate ishes, um, and I'll explain that. It's a it's an interesting group. So number one is Darvin Ham, the Lakers head coach. He tried to kill Russell Westbrook by bringing him off the bench. Um, at least that's how I interpreted Russell Westbrook's comments. No, the Lakers are a mess. Uh, they brought Russ off the bench, and he. Bang got banged up somehow. And then after the game, he's like, well, I've never come off the bench before, so I don't know how to stretch for that. And then they had him on the game late in crunch time, and he took an awful two-for-one shot. And there were 17 seconds on the shot clock, and his team was winning by one, and they ended up losing that game. And both Anthony Davis and LeBron, who were on the court, are like visibly like, why are you shooting that? But I, I don't blame Russell Westbrook. 
Russell Westbrook is Russell Westbrook. When you trade for him, when you sign him, you know who he is. They've put him in the worst possible positions. He has no floor spacing. He doesn't have the talent that would make him work. And they put him in bad spots on the floor. So um, that's on coaching Darvin Ham. Number two, Kevin Stefanski of the Browns. Derek, Ooh. I don't know if you saw this. Um, I think this was the worst challenge in NFL history. So I'm going to set the situation for you, okay? You're the head coach. Ready? Um, it was third and 17. Lamar Jackson is the quarterback you're going against. He picks up seven yards. You thought he might have got sacked, but he escapes. He got seven yards. It's fourth and 10, and they're lining up to punt. What do you do? I mean, you just let it go. They're lining up to punt. No, you throw that challenge flag to try and get seven yards of field position. You lose your challenge. You lose your timeout. It was the first half of the game. And oh, by the way, the first punt went 40 yards. Uh, that was the punt they blew dead because he challenged it for some reason mm. when the other team was punting him the ball back. The second punt went 69 yards. So they ended oh up gosh. losing 20 yards of field position because he challenged the spot on fourth and 10 when he was getting the ball back, Derek. Um, I think it's the worst challenge of all time. Isn't that pretty shocking? That's really bad. Yeah. The only time you would do that is like, did the sack lead to a safety or, or did it lead to like a forced fumble? You thought that that is inexcusable. Okay, and then the last one um, is every single coach in the NFL approaching the two-minute warning. And I want to explain this really quickly because I was watching this with Matt Galloway, former friend of your other show, mm -hmm. um, and my head was exploding. So if there's two minutes and 25 seconds left, the other team has a second down. You have one timeout left, okay? They run the ball. Five seconds go off the clock. Now it's 2.20. You've got two options. It's third down now. I can call my timeout at 2.20, or I can let it go to two minutes and then call my timeout on the next play. Derek, I call my timeout at 2.20, and the reason why I do is, one, it guarantees they're going to run to get to the two-minute warning on third down, and then when that third down play is over, how much time is going to be on the clock? Two minutes, because that's when the clock stops, okay? If I don't, the clock runs down to two minutes. Their next play goes down to a minute and 53 seconds or whatever, and I've lost seven seconds when there are two minutes left in a football game. And Derek, seven seconds is not a lot of time, but it could be a play. It could be a field goal. It could be something. It could be enough time to spike the ball. And I, I don't, it makes my head explode when I see a coach be like, well, we'll just let it go to two minutes. It's like, no, call the timeout, make them run again, save five, six, seven, eight, sometimes seconds. And that can make the entire difference at the end of a game. I saw like four different coaches screw that up this week. Not all. A couple got it right. Um, it makes my head explode. So anyway, uh, those are you the three You know what I'm waiting for? Because uh, that is right. Like every coach does that wrong. But um, I'm waiting for a coach to take it to the next level to be like, hey, if I take a timeout with exactly like two minutes and 48 seconds or something like mm -hmm. that in, in a certain scenario, they're going to have to run a play. Two and plays, then it's going to yeah. make them run one more play before the two minute warning. You know what I mean? Like if they only have one timeout left, like call it with two forty eight mm -hmm. as opposed to with whatever the, the other scenario. But I don't know. Uh, I think there's some uh, stuff there. So uh, who is the winner this week? I feel like I feel like it has to be the third one because there's just they're, there's a, a mass volume of it. Who is the winner? Uh, I'm going to go with Kevin Stefanski. Okay. I think that's, that's the worst deal. challenge in the history of the NFL without having done any research on what actually is the worst challenge in the history of the NFL. Um, challenging to get seven yards of field position when you are getting the ball back on a punt and then costing your team's 20 yards is insane. Um, Derek, absolutely insane. By the way, the other thing that, that annoys me and I should have lumped this in is when coaches don't use their last timeout and they just let the other team take 40 seconds off 
And then the announcer, usually someone whose name rhymes with uh, Groy Grigman, will say something like, well, that's good. They need that last timeout to make sure they can set up the field goal. Derek, you know uh, how long it takes to set up a field goal? Not 40 seconds. <laughs> so by definition, 40 seconds is more valuable than your one timeout. Um, and that that drives me crazy too every time. So yeah, lots of work to do. But Kevin Stefanski, welcome to the list. That was uh, not a great challenge decision. And they lost by three. All right, that's Scott's worst coaching decisions of the week. He is Scott Chasen. You can check him out on Booth Review with Kansas City Sports Network as well. Scott, appreciate the time, man. See you next week. Thanks for having me. All right, that was Scott Chasen joining us here for Locked on Jayhawks, and that's going to do it for today's edition of the show. Coming up on tomorrow, we're going to be joined by Jason Jordan of Sports Illustrated with the K- the uh, basketball recruiting side of things to take a look at the class of 2023 for KU basketball. If you have anything you'd like for the show to talk about, you can reach out at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you're getting all the latest with Locked on Jayhawks. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. I'll see some of you on Rock Chalk Sports Talk later today. Till then, later.